Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 36 of the Tech Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is South of the Border, an interview with Yanin Ruibal. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Today's podcast is Yanin Ruibal. Yanin is an internationally recognized artist from Mexico City, Mexico. Her art has been featured in Mexico and in several major U.S. cities, including Miami, Florida, Austin, Texas, New York City, New York, and Denver, Colorado. Ms. Ruibal's art graphically portrays the symptoms and pain of her chronic illness through powerful images that include cactus, scorpions, and snakes. Ms. Ruibal's Lyme disease journey began shortly after her wedding when she began to exhibit symptoms that limited her ability to engage in professional, social, or physical athletic activities. Eventually, her illness limited her ability to leave her home. She was diagnosed with Lyme disease by an enlightened doctor in Mexico who used the testing protocol from the California-based Igenix Corporation. Good morning, Anina. Thank you for joining us on the program. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So, Yanine, can you share with our listeners where you're from? Yeah, I am originally from Hermosillo, Sonora, which is three hours away from the Arizona border. But I currently live in Mexico City. Yanine, could you share with our listeners what you do for a living? Yeah, I'm a visual artist and illustrator. And Yanine, can you share with our listeners a little bit about what your life was like before you began to show symptoms of a tick disease? Oh, yeah. I was a very active person. I used to do a lot of exercise. I've been doing horseback riding my whole life and since I was five years old. And then I used to work as a horse trainer and as a horseback riding instructor. And I also did CrossFit and I used to just paint a lot be all day painting. Also, yeah, I started to go to the gym with my husband. And that's, that's what I miss the most about uh, having Lyme disease, that I'm not able to exercise anymore. You shared with us that you were clearly a very athletic person, participating in CrossFit and other types of athletic activities. How did the symptoms of your tick disease begin to progress? And how did that affect your athletic life? Well, the symptoms started to manifest as fatigue and joint pain, but it was very mild. And I just kept exercising and living. And I was, I was thinking like, oh, what the hell? Why, why is my knee hurting? Why is my hip hurting? Why is my shoulder hurting? And uh, the trainers at the gym would always make fun of me. Like, oh, what is hurting you today? Because they thought I was making it up or making a big drama about it because it was funny how something different hurts every other day. And the fatigue, I thought it was because of, of my move to Mexico City, because uh, Mexico City is in a very high altitude. I don't know miles or, or meters. Uh, I only know meters. So it's like 2,000 meters above the sea level, which is very high. And I wasn't used to it. And I thought that's why I was getting fatigued. But then I lived here for a year and then another year, and the fatigue didn't go away. It actually got worse, and it started to get worse and worse and worse, the, both the pain and the, and the fatigue. That, that's when I knew something was wrong, that it was not normal. Now, in addition to having an impact on your capacity to participate in your social activities and your athletic activities, were your symptoms slowly interfering with your ability to draw and paint your art? Yeah, that was the worst part. Uh, I was trying to get very frustrated because at the time I was working on a studio with another artist and it was a very, it was like a 15 minute walk from my house. 
and then I found myself not wanting to go and, and I started to get tired on the way there on the walk and, and the painting just became a torture I wasn't enjoying it at all and I was like oh my god why do I paint like for a half an hour and then I have to sit down and and the, yeah, I, I got very, very frustrated and I was thinking like, what, what is wrong with me? And I saw my, my other friend, uh, the other artist, she could just paint all day for like eight hours at a time. And, and I felt, I felt envy, like how can she paint for eight hours at a time? I can't do that. And then my self-esteem started to fall like, like what's wrong with me? Why am I so lazy? I, I, I was, I just started to think that I was super lazy and, and that was like, that it was like an attitude, attitude thing or mental thing that I could just work my way through it. But I, I was, I was, I was suffering. I wasn't enjoying it at all. And then after I got diagnosed, I wanted to keep painting because I, I had to pay for the studio rental. I had to pay the rent. So uh, there was a lot of pressure over me to, to keep working like on the same uh, pace that I was working. But then I had to face the fact and accept that I, I, couldn't, I couldn't keep working on the rhythm that I was. I was just getting worse and feeling worse and hurting myself. So I, had, uh, I talked to my husband and we, just, we decided to move apartments. To, to, to a bigger apartment where I could paint with a second bedroom because we used to live in a, in a, in a place with one bedroom. So, yeah, we switched the apartments and uh, now I have a great studio at home. Yanine, so when you were 24 years old, you started to have some symptoms and they would come and go and they would be from joint pain in your knees and your hips and they, then it progressed to your shoulder. And then when you turned 25, your symptoms started to get really bad and stick with you and, and not go away. Can you describe those symptoms? Yeah, it was just, it was a fatigue so great that I couldn't get out of bed. Yeah, I just couldn't get out. Or like when I went to the beach with my friends and I got a pain so great on my shoulder that yeah I couldn't move my arm I couldn't use it like it, it got like mildly paralyzed and that scared me a lot and then I also uh, I never used to have trouble sleeping in fact I used to love sleeping I, I slept a lot and heavily but yeah I didn't start to get a lot of trouble sleeping oh oh and I forgot I also started to get like itching on my feet like an itching is so bad I couldn't sleep and I had to go put my feet in cold water to calm it to calm it down and uh, that really freaked me out because I didn't know what it was and if you google that it said you have lupus there was a symptom of lupus and I was scared like oh maybe I have lupus why are my feet itching so much uh, a little depression the kind of depression that you don't feel anything and you don't want to do anything oh and night sweats I start to sweat a lot at night you mean did you experience any brain fog or trouble concentrating like so many other Lyme patients oh yeah but I those actually came after I got diagnosed I don't know if it hurt a reaction or something but that was that was a little bit more recent and yeah right now uh, I have a lot of trouble concentrating uh, in reading. I love reading. I read a lot. I still do. But now I, I have to be like in a completely silent place 
Oh, that's another symptom I have. I have a lot of trouble filtering sounds. So when there's a lot of noise, it just gets too overwhelming. And when there's like music and somebody's talking to me, I can't make up the words. So right now, for example, I'm in a car, sitting in my car, so I don't get like noises from anybody in like because I live in a noisy street. So right now in a parking garage. So I can hear you guys completely. How many doctors did you see, Yanine? I feel like I saw like five or six doctors. The first ones were just like the doctor from the gym. So it was nothing formal. I was like, oh, I've been feeling very tired. And she said, well, you're probably not sleeping well or you're not doing this or that. So she didn't take it very seriously. But then I saw another doctor and he diagnosed me with anemia and told me to eat more iron, and also, yeah, all the doctors were just telling me to take it easy, and for the pain, I saw a couple of orthopedists, yeah, they told me, like, oh, yeah, it's called injuries from horseback riding, and another doctor told me that I had a problem with my legs, my leg was shorter than the other, and that I had to wear special insoles and take uh, muscle relaxers, but they didn't help at all. So at one point, your doctor was convinced that your pain and all of your other symptoms that weren't really related to your leg were the result of one leg being shorter than the other. Is that correct? Yeah, and I thought that was ridiculous because, well, it should have been like noticeable or it should have been bothering me all my life and it hadn't. Also, the biggest tell was that my best friend went to the same doctor almost at the same time, got diagnosed the same thing, he got the same treatment. And he got better, like almost instantly. Was there anything else that you were diagnosed with prior to your proper Lyme diagnosis, such as chronic fatigue or um, depression or mental health issues that are so common with other Lymies? Well, the, the main diagnosis I got was, was that, that the lecture is in the other, the anemia. And yeah, I think I got diagnosed with depression, but it wasn't like an official diagnosis. I was thinking it was, was more... Like a dismissal, I think is like, oh, you might have depression. Like, go take some meds. Yeah, go to a psychiatrist. You mean after this two-year period of being sick, you finally found a doctor who ran a Lyme disease test and it came back positive and then you got treated for Lyme disease. Can you walk us through that journey? Yeah, well, I've been talking to my mom who still lives in Hermosillo and I've been telling her that I've been feeling like super bad and that I got very fatigued and everything. And then one day she called me and, and she told me, like, you know what? I think you might have Lyme disease. Because in Hermosillo, it's, uh, Lyme disease has been growing a lot, probably because it's very close to the U.S. border and it's starting, the, the take is starting to, to cross the border. So a lot of people are getting diagnosed. And she told me, like, hey, you might have Lyme disease because I, have, I know people that have the same symptoms as you. And, uh, yeah, so you might have it. And I... Then my first reaction was, no way I have Lyme disease because the people I knew that had Lyme were like in wheelchairs and they couldn't get out of bed or couldn't even see light. Like they had no quality of life. They were miserable. And I was still able to go like to walk and go shopping. I don't know, do, do normal stuff. So I didn't think that was it. But my mom told me like, just go get tested so you know for sure. So you can cross that out. So I went to Dr. Almudena Cervantes, 
which is the only doctor in Mexico City who knows how to properly treat Lyme disease. And also she's the only one who does the Lyme disease test here in, in Mexico City, which uh, was very lucky that she, her office is like 10 blocks away from my house. And so, yeah, I went to her and I told her how I was feeling, what my mom thought. And she said to ask me a bunch of questions. And she told me, yeah, I think you might have it. There's a big chance you might have it. So I got tested, and after a month, it came back positive, but with no co-infection. She told me about co-infections, what they were, and everything. So after it came back positive, she prescribed me clytromycin, I think, and doxycycline. And then, so I called my parents, and, like, my whole family gathered, and we talked about it. And we started to speak uh, with friends and family and people we knew that had Lyme disease or, or people that knew people that had it. And a close family friend uh, that her daughter has Lyme disease recommended me, uh, Dr. Rafael Stricker in San Francisco. She told me, like, oh, he's the best. He's been treating my daughter and she's doing great. So I went to him and I got another test from Igenex. And yeah, I came back after the positive also, and also two co-infections came back positive, which are Babesia and Ehrlichia. So when I first got treated, uh, I started to get treated for, for Ehrlichia, and it took me like a year and a half to get rid of it. And I'm currently working now on getting rid of Babesia, which is proved to be a little bit trickier, but I think that the current course of antibiotics I'm on right now, it's working. Janine, I just want to ask about your doctor, Dr. Cervantes from Mexico City. That was 10 minutes away from your home. He was sort of out of the norm compared to other Mexican doctors because he actually understood <laughs> and was open to Lyme disease, whereas most other doctors in Mexico from our discussion offline sort of had the opinion of there's no Lyme disease in Mexico. Yeah, that is correct. There is very little awareness of Lyme disease here in Mexico. Most people don't know what it is. And if you ask the doctor about Lyme disease here, they only know what they've seen in like in textbooks from medical school. They all think like, oh, there's no Lyme disease in Mexico. You probably got it somewhere else. And also they think you can get cured by like a month's course of antibiotics. Of course, they have no idea about co-infections. So Dr. Almudena, she has been trying to prove that there is Lyme disease in Mexico, but she gets dismissed by the medical community and by the government because they don't want to deal with that. They don't want to start treating people. And so what I've noticed, I've noticed a pattern, especially in Hermosillo, about the people with Lyme disease. Like all the people that get diagnosed with it are people like from upper middle class which is the people that can afford to go to the u.s and get tested and treated but i'm trying to wonder how many lower class people have lyme disease but they have no idea that they have it i bet there are a lot of them but they just go to the government hospital to the seguro social uh, which is free but they don't have the, the tools to, to make that diagnosis 
Yeah, I mean, now that you're seeing seeing Dr. Stricker in San Francisco, are you doing anything in addition to the long-term antibiotics to counter your, your gut health and the damage that the antibiotics do to your body? Yeah, the biggest change I've made is my diet. Well, I don't do anything extreme, mainly because I'm weak and I like sugar, but I try to eat as little sugar as I can. Very little dairy except for Greek yogurt, but no milk, no cheese. Also, very little meat. Like, I love meat because I come from the land of beef. Like, Sonora, in Sonora, it's like a religion meat, but here in Mexico City, I try to eat, like, as little as I can. So, I'm practically vegetarian. I, I eat a lot of ginger, turmeric, cinnamon, cardamom, a lot of spices that help to de-inflammate the body. And a lot of I drink a lot of green tea, and I try to eat probiotics, like not just as a supplement, but also in my diet. So in kimchi and tempeh and like fermented food, and that's me helping uh, my stomach a lot. Also, uh, medical marijuana, CBD, and like vapes and oils and stuff. You know, lifesaver. That's what gives me a quality of life. Helps with the pain, helps me sleep, uh, helps with the nausea from the from the medicine. It's been like my biggest help. A lot of our guests have noted that sugar and things like dairy really increase inflammation, and therefore they've made a good effort to reduce eating those types of foods. But you've taken it to the next step. You're eating foods like ginger and turmeric and cinnamon, things that will actually help reduce inflammation in your body, which is one of the major problems with Lyme disease and other tick diseases. And on top of that, you've done things like medical marijuana and CBD oil to help you relax, sleep better, which is super important to heal. And you also do the infrared sauna and cryotherapy. Can you discuss those for us? They're opposite because one is like very hot. The other one is very cold. But they both help reduce inflammation. And there are some studies that actually say that it can help kill the bacteria, especially the infrared sauna. So for the infrared sauna, I I have a subscription to a spa that is nearby my house. And I can go there wherever I want and use it. And for the cryotherapy, for those who don't know what it is, it's like they put you in a capsule from the neck down, like your whole body in your underwear, just wearing gloves and socks. And they release nitrogen, which is in a temperature, like very, very cold. That I don't know Fahrenheit, but it's like minus 190 Celsius. And they put you there for three minutes before you start to get like tissue damage or hypothermia. You shake like crazy, but afterwards you feel great because it boosts your metabolism. It contracts your muscles, so it's like a little bit like exercising. And it, uh, it reduces inflammation considerably. So like uh, before I started doing cryotherapy, I was using a walking stick because like an old person because my hip and my knees hurt so much and now i don't use it anymore how are you feeling today right now uh i'm feeling fine my most persistent pain is my shoulder like i don't remember a time where my shoulder didn't hurt but it's uh right now since i just woke up (laughs) it's a very mild very little pain i just drank my green tea with ginger and i love that part of my routine and yeah, I know that I'm going to feel very tired after I go out walking. So I'm just 
going to try to take it easy today. But yeah, if I if I just take it easy and I just do my work in my house and sitting down and I just draw on my couch, uh, I know I'm going to be fine. So although you're not at 100% back to your full health, you still have made significant progress compared to where you were when you first got diagnosed. Can you just tell us how you, you're better today than you were when you got diagnosed with Lyme disease and your two co-infections? Yeah, when I first got diagnosed, uh, when I went to Dr. Almudena Cervantes, I was very scared because I couldn't get out of bed. And the pain was too great. And also my husband was, my, my new husband uh, was freaking out because, yeah, we had no idea what it was. So when I got diagnosed, I just got relieved that I finally knew where it was. Like I knew, I knew it wasn't in my head because there was a big problem for me because I was thinking what am I just lazy am I just like does everybody feel like this all the time and I'm just being a wuss about it also when I first started the antibiotic well I started correcting like crazy I felt so bad like even worse I started vomiting my stomach was a wreck and then I got super depressed when I when I accepted the fact that I couldn't pain anymore I got super depressed and that's where my husband buy, bought me an iPad Pro so I could keep working. And there was a big boost emotionally that made me feel useful again. But yeah, it was, uh, it was a very long year of treatment, of using a walking stick, of not getting out of the house much. But then my quality of life improved when, when one, I switched from painting manually to digitally. When I changed my diet, boom, that was like a huge leap of my quality of life. And then when I started doing the cryotherapy and the uh, sauna, boom, another big leap. And of course, the medical marijuana has been with me all the way. Yep, lifesaver. So now I can say I have a good quality of life. I am happy. I can't complain. Like, I have to accept my reality and, and know that this is going to be my life for at least, uh, like, couple more years I don't know I have no idea but but no I'm working I'm in a happy marriage I love my I, I like my house I love my dog I can say like even even though I have Lyme disease I am happy. You mean can you talk to our listeners or share with our listeners a little bit about how this has transformed you how are you different as a consequence of this tick disease experience that you've had? Well, I, what I've never expected about having uh, a chronic or long-term disease is how it changes you spiritually and emotionally. I've also been doing a lot of meditation, especially to, to clear the fog, the mental fog. I also started to feel like different in terms of, of pain. I am no longer scared of pain or bothered by pain. Of course, there are always limits uh, of, of how great the pain it is, but like the, the everyday pains that I feel, I've just learned to, to ignore it. I've learned to see the beauty that comes out of always being in pain. It's like you're in a higher level of consciousness and you see the world different. You appreciate different things. So, yeah, I'm, I'm no longer scared of a lot of things. A lot of relationships changed. I had to reorder my priorities and see who was valuable in my life and, and treasure them more, who was no longer useful and was just being harmful. My energy is like a treasure. When I'm feeling energetic, I, I have to think, okay, I have this energy right now. What am I going to use it for? It's going to be something useful because 
I know it's gonna run out very quickly. So what am I gonna do today? I'm gonna am I gonna go to the park? Am I gonna go to a museum? Am I gonna do this or that? But I have to like administer it carefully. Hey, Yanin, can you share with our listeners how this transformational experience that you've gone through, both emotionally and spiritually, has impacted the way you portray yourself in your art? Before I got diagnosed with Lyme disease, I was like in, in a rut in my art. I wasn't happy with what I was saying. It was like, oh, they're very pretty pieces, but they were like animals and flowers, and they didn't say anything personal. They didn't have like a strong message. And I wasn't happy with that. And I was trying to find something interesting to say. Then I got diagnosed. Then I got depressed. So it got worse. And I refused to talk about Lyme disease at first because of my pride. Like, I didn't want to have the label of the sick person. I I don't want to be, I didn't want to be defined by the disease. So that's why I refused to talk about it. But then after many months of meditation, reading, and I know, doing many things, I realized that it wasn't just about me, that it was a topic that it needed to be talked about. And that also it wasn't like my pride was in the way and I was afraid of being vulnerable. So yeah, I started to do a few paintings about it. And it felt amazing because it was cathartic, it was therapeutic. It also felt amazing. A lot of people started to write to me, sending messages, thanking me for, for talking about Lyme disease in my art. A lot of people just tell me like, oh my God, that's exactly why I feel, I feel the same way. So I started to feel closer to a lot of people. I started to feel understood. I started to feel connected. So I just, now I've been doing not just a self-portrait, but I've been doing a couple of portraits of other people with Lyme disease or other types of chronic pain. And it's been an amazing experience, and I want to keep doing it. Can you share with our listeners how you use the imagery of cactus and snakes and scorpions to portray chronic pain? Yeah, I have a very strong attachment to to cactus because I grew up in in the middle of the desert, the Sonoran Desert. But the other element is that I find cactus beautiful. So my art talks about the beauty or the growth or the life that comes from pain. So it, it can be two things. Like my a lot of my art, it talks about duality. So something can be two opposite things at the same time. So cactus is painful, but it's also beautiful. And I think so it is having a chronic disease. Janine, my, my final question to you is, knowing what you know now, what would you do if you woke up tomorrow morning and found yourself bitten by a tick? Oh, I got straight to the doctor. Uh, <laughs> well, I never, I never noticed when I got bit by a stick, but I think if I, if I did notice, I would have still ignored it. Like I would say, oh, just a nicotine bite, no big deal. Like, like a mosquito bite. So now I keep telling everybody I know now, like, put on bug spray, please, everybody, watch out for ticks, because before, before Lyme disease, I didn't think it was a big deal. I think I I would have thought it was like getting bit by like a tiny little spider or a mosquito. So yeah, I would run straight to the doctor and get tested. That's the first thing I would do. Thank you for listening to the Tick Boot Camp interview with Yanin Ruibal. 
To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Yanin and her tick disease journey, please visit her Instagram at Yanin Ruibal, Y-A-N-I-N-R-U-I-B-A-L. Second, if you'd like to learn more about where you can purchase Yanin Ruibal's Lyme disease-inspired art, please visit her website at yaninruibal.com. Third, if you enjoyed this 36th episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get the automatic episode updates for your Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank you, our listeners, for your past comments on our past podcasts. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on iTunes, on Instagram, or on one of our websites. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Thank you for listening.